Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast as we explore the mind of former MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner Brett Boone as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. On this episode of the Boone Podcast, Brett sits down with World Series champion Charlie Manuel. Alright, let's do this! And now, here's your host, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone. And today on the program, I sit down with a man whose career in the game has lasted nearly 60 years. From a minor league standout to a Japanese star to a World Series champion. He's one of the most beloved men in the game. Ladies and gentlemen, Charlie Manuel. Charlie, thanks for coming on the program. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah you're welcome, man. I appreciate it. Charlie, I, I never played for you. I played against you quite a bit, uh, but, but but you're one of those guys, you know, in the game. Whenever they mention Charlie Manuel, never a negative word about you. And recently, I had one of your, your former players on the on the program, David Justice. And it's a long clip, but I, th- but I think it's a cool clip, and I'm going to play it for you. All right, okay. Charlie Manuel, who had, be- who had now become the manager, who – I love Charlie Manuel. By the way, Charlie Manuel is going to be on the Boone podcast next week. (laughs) Oh, oh, great. Oh, please. No way. Okay. So, man, listen, Charlie was one of those guys who could come to the back of the plane if he wanted to. He had an all-out pass. He had a pass. He's kind of a Bruce Bochy. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. But but, but this one, he was a hitting coach. When he became a manager, I don't think, I don't remember Charlie coming back there as a manager, but as a hitting coach, Charlie would come back there. And he was always welcome. Clarence Jones, always welcome. Bobby Cox never came back there. Remember, Bobby, Bobby Cox played, though, man. That's that old school mentality. He probably, dude, they probably didn't come back there. So he, he never came back there. Um, Joe Torrey never came back to the back of the play. But Charlie Manuel was special to us. He was our hitting coach first. Then he became manager. And I mean, once again, we were back, like, loving the manager. And, and we'll do whatever we can because we want Charlie to be successful. So we, we want to do whatever we can. Charlie calls me in. Yeah. And we, Charlie and I had a really good relationship that started as, from, as hitting coach and player. And now he becomes the manager. And I mean, God, we had a great relationship. Charlie calls me in. And he looks like he doesn't even want to tell me that I'm getting traded. Like, the look on his face, it, it, it just pained him to have to tell me that he was trading me. And he and I, but look what I said, Boone. When I walked in the office, I walked in. I said, I said, Hey, Charlie, where am I getting traded, man? I was just joking, Boone. Because once again, <laughs> Charlie don't never call me into the office. So I just, I, was, I, I didn't think I was getting traded. So I make a joke like, Okay, Charlie, tell me where I'm being traded. And he looks at me, and goes, DJ, we just, we just traded you to the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought. uh uh, I thought that was pretty cool. And it's it's everywhere I go. It's, hey, Charlie Manuel, how was yeah. it playing for him? It's the same answer all the time. I, I, it's a testament to you, but I thought it I thought it was cool to start off this this program with that. And uh, by the yeah. way, DJ, I never knew how anim- I, I played against DJ a lot. Uh, you know, I've talked to him at, at functions throughout the years and I, I had him on the show, Charlie. Wow. Talk. He can talk all right. I talked about ten minutes. Yeah. He talked about two hours and fifty. 
Yeah, that's good. Hey, hey you know what? Uh, DJ was, uh, he was a heck of a guy. I'm going to tell you something. He, uh, to me, the, uh, Brett, DJ was a picturesque hitter. He was a he was a he, he was a competitor in the game, but he really studied his hitting more than you thought. I mean, he spent more time on it than than, than, than most people realize. And he, I, I, I'll tell you something. He was he was a good hitter, man. He was a solid hitter. Yeah, a lot of years, and, and you go through his, you know, you go through his career, which I did. You know, of, of course, I know David Justice, and I, I played against him forever. But when you break down his right. career, Charlie, after his rookie year. He went to the postseason every single year of his career. I think he went to six or seven World Series, you know, ended up winning, I think, three or two or three. But uh, I said, DJ, you you never had a problem. You know, every year you had a shares meeting. You remember those shares meeting, Charlie, especially yeah. when you haven't gone to the postseason yeah. for a few years. You missed those shares <laughs> meeting. I said, David, you never missed one. Anyway, I want to talk about Charlie Manuel uh, growing up. Norfolk, Virginia. You were one of eleven kids. That's a, that's a full right. house, and uh, I, I I'm going to let you tell me, but give me a, give me a young. I think you know you referred to as Chuck, but uh, tell me about little Charlie Manuel as a kid growing up. I know you're a four four sports star. Take me through it. Yeah, you know, uh, actually, I grew up in a little place called Buenavista, Virginia. It's a uh, it's a uh, it's, uh, it's close to Lexington. Lexington is known as it's a college town. Town. It's got the Virginia Military Institute, Washington Lee Law School there. That was the biggest part about the area I grew up in, and those are two famous schools in Virginia. And uh, they uh, both towns, Lexington and Buenavista, are about five miles apart from each other. Both of them had about ten to twelve thousand people in them, and uh, it was in Rockbridge County. And, uh, uh, you know, like I grew up and went to, uh, the, actually the high school I went to was not a, not a big high school. We were, we were like, uh, uh, uh group A was the highest athletics, uh, uh, standard in, uh, uh, in, in high school at that time. That was, that was a big, that's, that's the ones that had the bigger school. We were in, uh, one B that was next to a uh, group A, but, uh, we played in a very good, uh, a division when I was in high school and things like that, we played in uh, we had stars like later on Ralph Sampson played in the, played there. Uh, we had some professional football players that came out of there and things like that. And uh, I, uh, I grew up. Uh, my dad was a minister and uh, had five brothers and five sisters. And uh, you know, I spent most of my time you know like just playing sports. You know. And that, that's kind of how I grew up. Uh, basketball, play, basketball, and football was, uh, you know, like I love playing those. Baseball is one of what I spent more time on, I guess, because the season was longer in the summer, and I got to play Birkin Legion baseball and and, uh, and things like that. And I played in a played in a Valley League in Stanton, Virginia. It's now a college league, and it's been a college league for. A long time it, back then it was a semi-pro league and that's where i got started that's where the scouts saw me play i know um at the end of your high school you, you were you were going to go play hoops at the university the university of pennsylvania right. but things changed yeah, no, no, yeah. And, yeah. and you ended up you ended up signing with the twins take me right. through that yeah Brent, that, actually, that time actually i was going uh i was i was uh 
I was I was going to go to the North Carolina. I mean, uh, University of Pennsylvania. They recruited me. They were the, one of the first teams to ever get in touch with me when I was in high school. I think they started talking to me when I was about a sophomore in high school. And uh, you know, back then, I don't know if you're supposed to do that or not. But actually, you know, like one of the big days uh, in University was when Dean Smith came came to visit me in North. Uh, in uh, in University, you know, like when I was uh, at that time, I was a senior in high school, and uh, I, I agreed to go to North Carolina. My dad uh, actually, Brett, uh, my dad committed suicide, and uh, we had to, we had all those kids in our family, and that's why I did not go play basketball. So you ended up, yeah. I mean, what a what a dramatic time in your life. You talk about hoops. In baseball, what what did you like more, or were they even? You know, you know, uh, back then, you know, like you know, like uh, uh, I like football in the game, you know, uh, but you practice along in high school to get to one game a week, and uh, you know, like I was young, of course, I was, I was you know, like I was a teenager, and a, a basketball was easier for me to uh, to play. It, it, it was easy for me to get a, a scrimmage game somewhere around there where I live and things like that. And I played that a lot. But baseball was actually growing up as a kid. Baseball was my favorite sport. So your dad commits suicide. Obviously, your life changed. Your life changed right there and then. Completely changed. My life completely changed. You know, like you were, you know, like it, uh, uh, you know, like when my mom was left along, along with the, uh, all of our kids, most all, every one of our kids was still at home at that time, and you know, like that made a big, a big change in, in in my life. While I got a quick second, want to give a shout out to DraftKings. We've partnered with DraftKings now, and they are the official sponsor of the Boone Podcast. Dan, thanks, Boone. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code BOON, B-O-O-N-E, bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code Boone at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. And now back to my interview with Charlie Manuel. You spend 11 seasons in the minor leagues. Um, yeah. And I looked at the numbers. I'm like, well, hit 290 <laughs> career in the minor leagues, 133 jacks, over 500 ribbies. Yeah. And you get to the you get to the big leagues in 1969, if I'm not mistaken, and you right. spend 
parts of four years, 69 through 72. Uh, you head over to the Dodgers for 74 and 75, and you're 32 years old. And this is where, right. where the story gets interesting for me. Right. You end up going overseas and you go to Japan. And now this isn't, right. you know, this is this is 1976. This isn't this isn't, you know, 2018 where it's pretty prevalent now. I've right. always wondered what it's like when when you go over to to the Japanese league as an American. Just give me give me a snapshot of what that was like. You're 32 years old. You're going to try you're going to try your hand at at the Japanese league. I I think you signed with the Yakult Swallows. And uh, give me a snapshot of that. You had a ton of success. Right. Uh, It took me. uh, Brett, when I signed. uh, My rookie year was in 19 and uh, uh, 69. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think in May was in May that I. uh, I slid in second base in Chicago and broke my ankle, uh, you know, my, my left ankle. And uh, I, that's when they had to tie down bags at second yeah. base, you know, like in the, when they tied the bags down. And uh, when I slid in second base, the bag was loose. It's almost completely, you know, like wasn't tied down. It was real loose. And I and I broke my ankle. And they, I went, uh, they put a pin in my ankle, and I, and I limped, you know, like even when – when I sat on a bench in the big leagues, I, you know, like I think about it nowadays, I probably would, I would have never been there because I was a three-player move in the game. And, uh, you know, like I remember playing with your dad, against your dad and things at that time when the minor, when he came through the minor leagues and stuff. I played against Mike Smith, and Larry Bull and all those guys, things like that. But at the same time, too, you know, that cut down on my playing time. And I stayed in the major leagues and, uh, I stayed there as a pinch hitter for uh, off and on for about six seasons. I got I got like six years uh, total time in the major leagues, but at the same at the same time uh, for about five years I was you know like I could not play regular in the field you know like so I was a part time player and Billy Martin was my my manager at that time and he used to tell me all the time about you know that I was a three player move and to sit there and shut up and quit bitching the moment about getting to play. <laughs> so you know, and I kept going back and forth from major leagues to the minor leagues. And Japanese baseball got they got uh, uh, Adobe Kiwanis, the guy who was uh, he was the uh, trainer, kind of like a he's on the medical staff for the Dodgers, and he's the one that got the Japanese uh, teams interested in me, and uh, I, uh, I I agreed to let the Dodgers sell me. Like to go there, so I went over in 1976 to play, and uh, I had a rough time at first. You know, like first of all, when I got off the plane, I flew all night. When I got off the plane, you know, like I I wasn't a big player or nothing like that in the major leagues. I was a I was a bench, I was a bench player. I, you know, I sat on the bench as a pinch hitter, and when I got there and came down this ramp, and they uh, the Japanese took me in this room. There was about 50 cameras in there. I didn't. I was petrified, man. If I could have found my way back home, I would have. Right then, I, you know, like I didn't know where I was at. Really, <laughs> I was very confused. But at the same time, too, I, uh, I I stayed there for six years. And after after my uh, my career changed in about May of 1976, I was kind of limping, running after a fly ball up along the left, uh, right field wall. The side of the wall, and my left foot got caught underneath a pad on the fence, 
I jerked my left foot out. My shoe came off. I stepped on a petrified uh, 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 pipe, you know, like it it was a sprinkler system, almost cut my heel off. And I had to have emergency operation. And when I did, they took that pin out of my leg and they constructed the top of my foot. And I got to the place where I could play. And and I ended up staying on there five more years. Wow. So the the pin, because of another injury, they take the pin out and it frees you up and you feel better. You're probably thinking, why wouldn't I step? Why didn't I step on this sprinkler head five years ago? <laughs> you know, I don't. You know, I, I don't think I ever thought like like that. But I thought like hey, it was kind of a blessing in disguise, as far as my career goes, that I stepped on that sprinkler system. But at the, yeah. at the same time, after 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 they operated on me and I and I started playing, if you go look at my stats from my first year, I had about two forty or something like that. But and I didn't get a actually 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 after I hurt my. I, uh, when I got this operation, I didn't get to play very much, and they invited me back the next year. And, you know, like, and I went back, and that's when I had a big year. You know, like, and the reason was because at that time, you know, I'm a left-hand hitter. That was my backside, and I could put a lot. I could put my weight on my backside then, and at the same time too, I could, you know, like I started using my power. You know, like that, and it produced. Uh, you know, like I became a guy that hit, I hit 42 home runs or something. I was the first. America to hit over forty home runs in Japan, and I and, and I got to play another five five years. Yeah, and you, I mean, that's putting it lightly, saying you put up some pretty good numbers. Seventy seven, you hit three sixteen with forty two and ninety seven. Nineteen seventy eight, uh, your world champion in the Japanese league. You hit three twelve, thirty nine and one oh three. Then you go right. to the Buffalo. You you go over to the Buffaloes for the seventy nine and the eighty season. And that seventy nine season, I think, did you win the MVP in seventy nine? I won the MVP. I got uh, uh, I hit thirty. Uh, I hit thirty seven home home runs. I I had twenty. 20- 25, I right? Had, and then you got hit. You got drilled. That's yeah. what I wanted to talk to you about. Do you think uh, yeah. it, it, the, the, the legend is they don't want anybody breaking Sadahara O's records over there? What, how, how much right. did that play exactly. a part into it, or, or was it just a coincidence? I think it, uh, I think it, was, uh, it was kind of a, a, just a coincidence. They, you know, like I got off to such a good start. See, when I got when when I I became the first free agent in Japan and I switched I went from the Central League which is that was the league that the Giants oh when the Giants were in the Central League I, and I started out playing in that league and then I got traded to the other league uh, in a way I, I became a free agent and I went to the Pacific League and in uh, and, and my first year out you know like I I want to say I had like had like twenty five home runs in about thirty three games or something. And I was, I was, I jumped out there, and I, I, you know, like I was really, I was really tearing it up. And then uh, I got hit in the face. I mean, they, they, you know, like they just throw at me, throw at me a lot, and things like that. And they finally, you know, like hit me in the face, and I had to, I missed about a month. And then when I came back, I still led the, led the league. Of, I, I think I led the league in ribbies and homers. Three twenty four, thirty seven, ninety four. They give you. You're the MVP of the league. Yeah, you said twenty five homers in your first thirty three. That's like little league numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what I've know, got. Uh, actually, 
Yeah. Go ahead. Go if, ahead. If you go back and run down my my uh, my my seasons and the Coast League, and uh, I got sent to Portland from from a big leagues. I want to say it's seventy or seventy one there. Uh, and uh, and I went down there and I played about six weeks and I hit like nineteen home runs and so uh, and about a hundred ninety two hundred bats and uh, I had Preston Gomez a guy who worked with the Cubs he's you know he was a big major league player uh, pitcher and things like that and he used to come he used to work work with my hitting and he got he moved me up close to the plate and I started using my power and then the implement that that time on I. You know, like I, I hit a, I, you know, like I, I hit a lot with power, but at the same time too, I, I couldn't run because of my ankle. You know, like in, a, in, in, uh, in the coast league they'd play me, but at the same time I, you know, like I, I wasn't a real good outfielder, and and I couldn't go, I never could get back to the big leagues to play regular. When I when I did, it was all all as a pinch hitter. Yeah, this this you all is so interesting. Uh, hey, Brett, have you ever heard of? Uh, ever heard of knew a guy named Deacon Jones? Yes. He was a, he was a scout. Yep. You know, like when he was in the when he was in the minor leagues, you know, like I used to kind of I used to kind of compare myself to him because you know, see, he had a he had a bad arm and he was and he and he couldn't run and he and when he went to the big leagues, he hit he hit pretty good. He, you know, he didn't really tear it up, but in the minor leagues, he really hit, really, really hit good. And he hit when he went to big leagues. The White Sox took him to big leagues. He stayed in the White Sox organization forever, and he could really hit. But back in those days, see, you know, he couldn't. He didn't run good. And he could. He didn't have a position. He couldn't throw. They played him at first base, but at the same time, you know, like he was just wasn't, you know, like a a, a very good defender. And I was I was one of those guys kind of like that, you know, you know, especially after I broke my leg, and. uh and uh, you know, you know knocked, knocked around playing as much as I, much as I could, and, you know, and I even got a little time in the major leagues. But once I went to Japan, and I got well, you know, when when I had an operation on my left leg, and I could could uh, keep my weight on my backside and everything, you know, like I I really could show people how good a hitter I was. I always thought I was a good hitter. If you call David Justice up, he'll tell you I always bragged about how good I could hit. <laughs> and I remember uh, this brings back a lot of memories because you met, you mentioned Preston Gomez, uh, Gomez. He was a he was a coach on the on the Angels in the eighties when when Dad played for the Angels. I remember Preston well. Um, right. But this is where it, it kind of gets fascinating. The whole Japanese the 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 lure of it, and and I always wonder if it's true or not. Seventy nine, you win the MVP. Now in nineteen eighty. Right. Now in nineteen eighty. You have the best year of your career. You hit 325. You only hit 48 homers that year, and you drove in 129 runs. But you left to go see your son graduate. You got on a plane, and you left. They didn't didn't like that. You return, return and and coming off your MVP year now in 1980, I don't know that – if I were to guess, I didn't look this up. But I'd say there's not too many people in that league – that out hit you that year, but they said, right. You won no awards yeah. that year in 1980 after putting up 325, 48, 129. Right. right. You know, what's funny. Actually, what was funny about that, you know, like back in those days, you know, see, I, I had, uh, when I signed my contract and I, and I think at that time I was on a, like a two year contract 
And when I signed the second year, I told them that when my son graduated from high school, that I was going to come back to Virginia and see, I wanted to be there at his graduation. And they okayed with, they, they were fine with that. But then when the time come, we were, at that time, we were, that's what I was really, you know, tiring the league up over the, the, uh, the year before that, you know, like when I hit the 37 and stuff, when I got hit in the face and everything, that's when I was tiring the league up. And so therefore, you know, like, uh, when I, when I went to, went to his graduation, came back, that's when I got hit. But at the same time, they were very upset that I left. They said I, that they couldn't figure out why I would leave and leave, leave the, leave the team and I was gone for like three days but at the same time too they got very upset but I had a clause in my contract and put there that I would could go to his graduation and and I was going to go you know and that's 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 and that's what happened I was going to go uh, you know I, I put it there two years ahead of time and I was going to go when it when it came about and they, they kind of didn't <laughs> like that they didn't like that, but they like your numbers. They just didn't give you any hardware right. that year. Uh, right. 1981. Yeah, you know, I people, yeah, yeah. I, I hear people say, I hear people say all the time, you know, about, you know, oh, Sadhar O was a good player, man. He's a tremendous hitter and things like that. For four years, there, I, I, if you look up, I out hit him. You know, him and I was about the same age. And, you know, you know I, I, I out homered him, I out ribbed him, things like that. And, uh, how how was Sadaharo? Oh, you great. know who told me a, a story? We had, uh, I think it was Tim McCarver I had on the program. Yeah. And, he, and he played with O. I think it was Timmy. But right. how, how, uh, how was Sadaharo? Oh, give, give me a little glimpse of what, uh, of, of uh, I don't know, him. Because not too many of us, especially guys my age, we never got right. to see Sadaharo. You know, I played with Ichiro. Right. Yeah. But I hear, I hear oh, about oh, this Sadaharo. Yeah. Oh, I want to hear about him. Yeah, Sadaharo was good. He was a really good player. He's a he, he became a good friend of mine. I would tell you, so he was uh, he was a big time hitter. Cleve Boyer uh, played over at the same time I did. So did uh, Davy Johnson. These guys, and we used to sit and argue. And they used to tell me that that you know, like that O would put up the same numbers in the states that he did did there. And you know, like he might, I don't know, because he was a good, he was a great player. He, he, not only did he know how to hit, but he knew how to play first base. He knew how to run the bases. You know, like he was, he was a really good player. He was, he was a big time player. He would have been a good big player here, for sure. Really, nineteen eighty one. I think uh, nineteen eighty one. You get in. You, you managed over there, didn't you? In the Japanese league? No, I never managed. No, I never. Oh, managed. you never managed. Okay, eighty one. You go to the no. Swallows. Okay, all right. Yeah, right. And right. you're and you're kind of wrapping up your career over there in Japan. You end right. up with. You know, 300 career average with 189 right. homers in the years that you were there. Right. Um, right. You're fluent. You're fluent in Japanese, from what I hear. Is there truth to that? No, not really. I can speak a little Japanese. I'm not fluid though. <laughs> I'm getting. I'm getting all these wrong. That's all right. It doesn't yeah, matter. No, I'm not. Uh, you know, like I speak a little Japanese. I, you know, like I always had an interpreter. And he whenever he stayed with me, whenever where I went, everything like that. But at the same time, I needed him. I, you know, like uh, definitely there was time, there come a time during the day I needed him somewhere, really. But no. Uh, but what was it? Uh, what mean, was the, What was the daily life like over there in Japan? Did you get homesick? You ever think, ah, I don't want to be here anymore? Uh, how you know, different I, yeah. was was it from playing ball in the states to to playing in Japan? 
you know, I used to think all the time when I was there, you know, like I used to think that, uh, and the, see, we had a, we, you had one American on your team. And so we, we, I seen, we had what, uh, 12, 12, 12 Americans playing, two on each team or something, uh, or, uh, yeah, uh, or 24 really. We had just 12 teams, you had two on each team. But anyway, you know, like I, you get to see those guys and you get to talk to them and things like that. We'd always try to compare baseball. And, uh, I came to the conclusion that, you know, like it wasn't, but baseball was definitely, it wasn't as good as Major League Baseball, but it was, it was better than AAA. They were more consistent in, in their play and things like that. Uh, American players, you know, like had more range in the field and uh, as we had more speed on and quickness on the, on the, on the diamond than most Japanese teams. And that was the difference. Pitching was, the pitching was good. Pitching was, had good control, good command. And probably on each team, uh, Brett, there was probably about at least three guys, three pitchers that, uh, coming out of one of those staff that could be big league pitchers probably. It, but it, it, I, I consider it somewhere in between AAA baseball and major leagues, really. But if you go to the games, it's just like going to a game here, they do people. We used to draw like over Three million, three, three and a half million people, things like that. Tokyo Giants drew four million. I mean, we drew people just like, just like playing in the states. And you, you, basically, it was kind of uh, with with the way the game was played. You didn't miss too much by playing over there because it was first class. What made you come home? I I come home actually because uh, you know I just got. I was getting older and I was slowing down. I was like 40, I think, it, uh, in my last year there, I was, I was almost, I was 41 and I'd been there long enough. You know, like I, I felt like, you know, like, uh, the seasons were getting real long to me and, you know, like, and I'd played a long time and I felt like, you know, like I wanted to, you know, I just wanted to come back to the States and, you know, like I, I could tell, it was, you know, like it was time, it was time for me to get out of the game, run off the field. But, uh, but you know, like, and I didn't, I didn't realize it at the time, but I, as far as that goes. But that's kind of now. I look back, that's probably what made me uh, retire, really. So, Charlie, you come back to the states, and uh, during the end of your career, the last few years, did you have that always in the back of your mind that when I'm done playing, I, I want to stay in the game, I want to coach, I want to manage, or did that something just organically happen? <laughs> I used to tell Chris Arnold, the guy I played with Chris Arnold, a guy named Dave Hilton, and I used to tell tell him that when uh, when I go back to the states, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in baseball and I'm gonna I'm gonna work and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna be a hitting coach or a teacher, and uh, you know like and I'm gonna stay in the game and uh, and uh, you know like and uh, and, and I, that's how I'm gonna work, and I didn't realize that that was going to happen, of course. But when I came home and, and I didn't go back and, uh, the, the first year, the first year was uh, when it came around to January and stuff, you know, like I was getting ready. I was kind of wanting to go to spring training and everything like that. And George Brophy, he was a, he was a farm director and a, and a vice president for the twins and their minor and their, in their organization. And he called me and offered me a job, and I accepted it. And you know, like, and I went and I was spending six or seven years over in Minnesota, 
as a as a roving uh, a, a, a roving hitting coach, and also my second year there, uh, the next year I signed a, and managed the team of Wisconsin Rabbits. And I managed ten years in the minor leagues. Yeah, and that's kind of how I got started. Eighty-eight, eighty-nine. You were the Indians hitting coach. Ninety right. to ninety-three. You managed in the minor leagues for the Indians. Right. And, and then you come to the Indians uh, to the big leagues in nineteen ninety-four. You're the hitting coach, and I remember those years, Charlie. I mean, that's when I was yeah. first. You know, that was my first couple years in the big leagues, and I, I was with the Reds. And uh, right. Man, I remember, you know, we had our little game that we played. What do they call that? The Ohio Cup. Uh, John Hart, John Hart, John Hart was your GM. But right. I remember those. I remember those players, and it was Bayerga and Bell and right. Tommy and yeah. Manny and a young uh, Richie Sexton. You you got to work with. Uh, obviously, we, right. we we talked at the open about David Justice. You had both the Alomar brothers, Kenny Lofton, who's been on the program, Omar Vizquel, Eddie Murray. Uh, these are <laughs> this is like one of the best offensive teams ever. I remember my favorite. I was just such a big Albert Bell fan. You know, he was, he right. had that, he had that uh, reputation of being, you know, mean and scary. I loved him. I said, this guy, I don't care yeah. what he is. This dude <laughs> could flat out hit, but uh, right. take me through those years. Cause I still look back at those Indians club and, and you talk about all time teams on the offensive side of the ball, Indians uh, of that generation, that 94 to 99 definitely is in the conversation as the best ever. What was it like working with all those guys and, and uh, take me through that a little bit. Hey, Brett, I want to tell you something. If you, uh, uh, if you, uh, if you could ask David about uh, how much we practice, how much we hit and things like that, people don't understand it. You know, like it's one thing I learned from, uh, I loved how the Japanese practiced, and I used to hit. When I played baseball in Japan, and this is six days a week on Sundays around then, because we played like 11.30 or 12 o'clock or something like that. You know, like I, I might not come out and hit like I did uh, doing like Friday or Saturday, but I used to hit at least by myself one hour a day, every day at least one hour a day, and then I would do our regular hitting. And I used to practice, you know, like, and the practice to me is what really made me a good player. And also, too, when I became a uh, manager in the minor leagues and stuff, I kept that work ethic, and my players loved it. If you if, if they were sitting there today, and you could you, you call all those guys in the room, and I guarantee you 75 to 85, maybe 90% of them, they would have loved the way we practiced. And we hit and we hit and we hit and it's hard. really. I mean, we when I was in the minor leagues, Brad, I, we used to hit, come out at nine o'clock of the morning and hit. If we was on the road or at all, we'd come out and hit, and then we stop for lunchtime and, and I'd order us uh, lunch, and then we'd come back at two thirty and do our our, our uh, you know like our extra hitting, and then we'd do our uh, regular hitting, you know, like about five ten, and we did that every day. Like in spring training, when I managed my teams in the minor leagues, we used to hit after we played a game. We used to hit, stay out and hit another hour, you know, like uh, after the game was over. And, and my players, they all loved that. I mean, you gotta, uh, you gotta, you, you gotta meet. Some, next time you meet somebody to play with us, you stop and ask him about how much we practiced. And that, and, and my work ethic, 
and and our routine and the fact that 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 they enjoyed it and they wanted to do it that made them a better player. And I I still say that today. You know, like I'll take reps over rest any day, Brett. Really. Yeah, that's. To me, you got to I mean, practice rooting a whole lot. And I used to throw BP from back there at the mount, you know, like right there where the pitcher holds you on, you know, like where the hole is right in front of the rubber. And right. I used to throw BP, and I'd throw BP anywhere from one hour to three hours a day. Wow. And But all of our players like that. I mean, they totally loved it. That's that's amazing. And those teams, I, I just remember back then, and you had like Tommy and Manny hitting seventh and eighth right. in the lineup. They were the right. <laughs> Tommy's the eight hole hitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I want to my ball. I, I I love a game just as much as I ever ever have. I, I love it today, just as, just like I, I always, really. But you know, when I think back about it, I wouldn't trade those. Well, I wouldn't trade those days in the minor leagues or the big leagues. For anything, you know, like because you know, like I, I totally enjoyed being being around our players and being at the ballpark, and uh, you know, like and I, and I always felt like uh, our work ethic never went like that. You know, like I always respected my players, and always, you know, like I definitely got their respect too back. I mean, they def- definitely gave me that back. Two thousand, you get your you get your shot. Uh, first job as a big league manager um, in your first two years, you know, 90 and 72, right. 91 and 71. I got a little bragging rights because uh, right. we, we, we beat you <laughs> 2001. We beat you in the postseason. I remember that, right. but, but the game I remember and, and you probably remember, they still play it on all time classics. You remember that game in Cleveland. Right. Yeah. You had a, we had you down like, 13 to one or something like that. Right. And I, I, I didn't play, I didn't play that game. And I remember Pinella gave me the day off and I wanted to play, but he said, Booney, you need a day off. You played 30 in a row. I said, okay. And remember that 2001 season, <laughs> we, we, we were like 15 games ahead. And uh, so it wasn't right. a big deal. So I remember I'm sitting there on the, on the bench watching the game and Jay Buner sitting next to me. And all of a sudden you guys start mounting this comeback. And I'm going, all right, it's 12, you know, it's 12 to one. It's, it's 12 to four. No big deal. I got my sneakers on Charlie. I don't even have my spikes on because, because Skip told me, he goes, Booney, no matter what you are not playing today, it doesn't matter. Just put your tennis shoes on. Don't worry about it. So it gets down to about, you know, it's 12 to nine. Or I'm just, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't know. It could have been 13 to eight. I, I don't know what it was, but I remember Jay elbowing me and he goes let me tell you this and i think omar was up he goes booney if omar hits one in the gap right now or down the line this is going to be a tie game and guess what he said you're gonna you're gonna have to go pinch hit and i went i looked at jay and i said no skip told me i'm not playing no matter what well just as he said that i think omar hit a double down the right field line we're tied and here right. comes Lou. Here comes Lou walking down the dugout, and I'm hiding like in the corner at the very end. And uh, you know, I'm I'm pretending like I don't know he's walking towards me. And and he kind of looks at me, throws his hands up in the air, and he says, you know, because he called everybody son. He looks at me, he goes, son. I'm sorry, but you got a hit. <laughs> I <Right>. remember <laughs> I, I was so pissed. I ran up into the locker room, put my spikes on, came out. Right. I, I was facing John Rocker. 
And uh, Rocker and I were, were teammates when I played in Atlanta. So I'm thinking, all right, yeah. Rock ain't, Rock ain't going to give me a, a fastball to hit right here. Well, just the opposite. He threw me fastball for a strike, fastball strike two, fastball he missed, and I ended up striking out on a breaking ball. <laughs> I don't know if I yeah. even swung the bat. I don't even know if I swung the bat. I walked back to the bench. I looked at Lou, and I said, oh, yeah, I don't have to play no matter what. You guys ended up beating yeah. us, but we we got you back in the playoffs that year. But uh, how was your first taste of uh, of managing the big leagues? Because you'll go on to have yeah. a lot of success and do it hey, for a lot of years. Hey, Britt, I want to tell you something about that game, first of all. You know, like when you say about Briscale – Hitting one in the gap or down the line. Yeah. You had Sasaki pitching. And, you know, like, yeah. Said, you know, like, and I, and I used to talk to uh, Sasaki, you know, like, when he come out there, I'd get the ballpark real early. You know, like, you remember when he used to throw baseballs from a, uh, one one foul pole to the other? Yeah. Every day for about, you know, he'd throw about maybe 10 balls that like that or maybe more. I don't know. But he used to do that, and when I came to the ballpark, I'd see him out there throw him. I talked to him all the time, and I really it, watched, it, you know, it, like I really keyed in on him as far as his pitching because he was really good. And I remember telling Viscale, you know, when Viscale had trouble hitting breaking balls and, and splits and stuff, and I told him, "Don't swing at his split." I said, "Stand there, don't swing at his split. You swing at nothing but fastballs." And you know, like, and he put in that in that at bat. If he was you talking to him today, he would tell you that 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 he was determined that he was going to hit a fastball. And if he threw if he threw through three splits and got him over, he was out. And he got a fastball. He got a hit him in the count, and he hit a ball down the right field line, tied that game up. I remember that. I, I remember, too, because I'm telling you, it was weird. It was like a movie, Charlie, for Buner to say exactly. that to me. And, you know, you know, Jay and in, in his sense of humor, right. he, he's he's almost hoping that I right. ha- that he hits a double. So I have to go play because he knows how much I don't want to play. And it, it seemed just as he said that it was like a movie, like it had already right. been played. And, and Omar just right. happens to rip a ball down the right field line. And I'm going, he's going to clear the bases. Exactly. We're going to be tied. And Jay's right. And I'm going to have to go yeah. hit. Now I'm pissed. Right. Hey, hey was, I tell you something else? You know, like, I don't know if you remember, you brought in Halama to pitch. Yeah. And Halama, you know, like, he's a big lefty. And yep. was, I forget exactly where he was at. I want to say it was in the seventh or eighth inning. And I sent up Eddie Thomas to pinch hit because I took Johnny McDonald out of the game and sent up Eddie Thomas to pinch hit. And he hadn't hit off a lefty for over a year. He had not hit off a lefty that year, I'm telling you. And – Dick Pole made a statement to him. He said, why are you putting him up out of here? I said, well, he's the only guy we've got sitting there can, to tie this game up. And he had a home run. If you remember, he had a home run tied the game up. Yep. Go I do remember that. <laughs> huh? Wow. I do remember that. I, 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 huh? No, I, I do remember that. that. And and because that was just another another piece of that unbelievable comeback i mean think of this charlie you've, right. been, you've, you've been in that situation before skipper tells you you're not playing to take the day right. off and, and you're seeing you know your team's right. boat rate boat racing the other team well you're almost going to go back and have a beer like oh my day's over right and then all, all of a sudden it's like wait a minute what are you doing you're getting a little too close you're a little too close i do remember that i you know i talked to kenny Lofton. Right. that's the first thing he said to me when he came on the show was how about that game we come back and got you I said, oh, and I right. know. I got to watch it every yeah. year on MLB. They'll replay it. The only good thing is I only had one at bat, and I struck out. So I, I didn't have to put yeah. up with it for nine innings. <laughs> that's good. That's, that's tremendous. But I actually, too, like, 
that was like my, my first year as a manager of the big leagues. I enjoyed everything about it. You know, like I, you know, like I always felt like, you know, we needed, uh, back then, you know, like we, we had defense wise, offensive wise, we had a really good team. You know, like we still had, uh, some starting pitching problems, but, but at the same time too, we had, we had a team that could, you know, like could definitely hold its own. You guys that year, uh, you, you had a, what I call a big time team. You really put it together. And, and, uh, and you like what you were, had, a, had a big offense. You know, Ishiro made you good. I mean, you're like, uh, you're like, he, he definitely, you know, like plugged in a top of the order good. And, and you're like, you got, you guys had a lot of power down through your lineup too. And, uh, I think overall, I think your starting pitching was a little bit better than ours. Yeah, and it was one of those. You know, I, I get asked I get asked about that year all the time, and and um, right. you know, I've been on some really good teams in my career, and right. but I've never I've never gone through a season like that. Well, not too many people have. I mean, to win that right. amount of games, we were definitely a really really good team, but it was just right. it was just one of those special years where for the first time in my life, I, I, I started to believe in uh, clubhouse chemistry and aura. I mean, right. that year, it just seemed like we took the field and, it, and we'd look at each other as teammates. And it's almost like we knew we were going to win no matter what. It's almost like when we took the right. field, our, oppo- our opponent knew we were going to win. They knew we were going right. to come back and snatch them in the seventh inning if they had a lead on us. It was just one of those magical years, yeah. and, and it was a veteran-based right. team, a lot of really good players, but but it also – we just all happened to have career years at the same time. So it was just right. – I don't know, and we and we knew it, and we had – you know, like yeah. I said, it was a veteran team, and, and yeah. we had enough experience to appreciate that this, this is a once-in-a-lifetime, you know, magic carpet ride we're on. So it wasn't right. – we, did, we didn't go out – about it in an arrogant way we we went about it in right. an appreciative way because because we know this doesn't happen all the time but yeah man even right. to this day i can't believe it because we beat you in the in the uh first right. round of playoffs and then we went to to new york and you know we knew we were going to beat new york it was just a matter of playing the series and they end up beating right. us and and i remember being on that bus uh leaving leaving yankee stadium after losing uh in the alcs and just just looking around and people were stunned. Like this wasn't supposed to happen. Right. This was the this was the storybook, yeah. and and you know you just chalk right. it up to. That's why this is the greatest game in the world because nothing's for sure, right. and you never know. Right. All right, from there, yeah. uh, you you head over to Philly, and and you start off as a special advisor before you take over in two thousand five. I think you you took over for Larry Boa, and you right. manage in the Phillies. You, your first three years, right. eighty eight and seventy four. 85 and 77, 89 and 73. You had a, you had a young nucleus uh, playing the game at that time. Um, take me through it. Take me through that, and we uh, yeah. we'll get up to 2008, where you, where you end up winning the World right. Series. And the and the thing about it is. I never got to play in Philly. I loved always going back to Philly because I grew up there when when Dad was playing on the Phillies and those seventies teams and. Right. Uh, what a city. And I couldn't imagine. I thought about you guys because a, a member of that team, I believe, was uh, Jamie Moyer, who was a good friend, right. family friend, family, family right. friend of mine. And I remember right. wondering when you guys won it, I said, man, I remember in the 1980, I was on a float that went to the parade after dad and in, in that 80s Phillies team won. And I remember 
how crazy that city. And I re- when you guys won it that year, I was thinking of Jamie Moyer going, wow, he's going through something <laughs> unbelievable right now. Uh, take me through your, your, your Phillies days and, and developing those young yeah, yeah. players and that nucleus. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, at 205, you know, like when I became a manager, you know, like I knew, see, I'd been around there two years and, and, uh, and I knew in a minor league, when you looked around, I saw Cole Hamels, I saw Ryan Howard, I saw Utley, I saw all these guys through the minor leagues and stuff. And, uh, you know, like, and, and Matson, these guys, you know, like, and I knew we had pieces that, you know, like, that were knocking on the door in the major leagues, you know, like, that, you know, like, we had guys that had good chances to become big league players. And, uh, and, uh, Phillies is only, it's, it's the only job, it's a manager's job, it's only, uh, job in baseball that you know like that i got interviewed for that's that's the only time i've ever been interviewed you know in cleveland i was not interviewed you know because i've been there a while and I, just, and I just became the manager well in philly i went through two two interview uh, sessions first time i ever got interviewed and i used to tell them in those two sessions brett i told them about the talent that we had and the guys that was going to help us and i figured it back into when bo was bo was managing the those teams, and he was 500. He he had like a 500 club. He was right around that mark. And if you look for two, two, two or three, two years there, that's what we were. We we were two or three games above 500. But at the same time, too, what you just said a few minutes ago about chemistry, our chemistry, we started building our chemistry along with our team when uh, when Pat Gillick started bringing in Jamie Moyer and he started bringing in uh, Ledge and he started – adding pieces to our, our our team, you know, like it really brought us closer together. And you could, and that was, to me, in, in, in managing in the major leagues, that was the team where we had the big chemistry. We had guys that loved, loved, loved how to play. Uh, they wanted to play the game right. They wanted to win. And they loved playing with one another. And uh, we had a real easy ball club to manage from a discipline standpoint. It was, I mean, really, I cannot explain to you how, how good it actually was. And, uh, you know, like, and we kept working and we kept getting better. And we, and pretty soon, you know, like, we run all five, five straight divisions and we went to two World Series. And, and you know, like, and we took winning real serious and things like that. And we come, we played the game every day, Brett, to win that game. And nothing got it. We didn't look ahead for tomorrow. We didn't look back. And, and and basically, you know, like we had the great big teams in Cleveland, but we did not have the chemistry that we had like in Philadelphia. And and that uh, Philadelphia was ready to win too, the city and also the fans. We had a new ballpark and everything, and you know, like and things just fell in place. But we had great players, and and, and the players definitely are the ones that put us put us there. But our our organization did a, did a good job of. You know, you know, getting the players for us, and and we definitely had a a, a good job of developing them. When you talk, talk about a Victorino, a Worth, a Ruiz, a catcher, even Utley and Howard, them, you know, like uh, they kind of grew into who they were, and that, and that's what made the Phillies. You win the World Series, that parade, being on that float, going down Broadway, everything it's chalked up to be. Was it everything you dreamed of it being? Yeah, yeah. To this day, I think about it, and you're like, that was in 208, and and it, and it seems to me like that was yesterday, really. But 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 then again, when I look at it, it seems like that was so long long ago too. 
but at the same time, believe me, it was it was it, everything about it was real. Everything about it was good, and that's what made it good, really. And the fans, to go, from a fan, get, and everything, everything about it. Did you guys get to go to the White House? Yeah, we went to the White House. I got to talk to uh, Obama, things like that, you know. And uh, uh, we went, went to, we went to one, one time. We talked to Bush. Uh, uh, both presidents were interesting to talk to. You know, that, that was good. That was, I mean, that was, you know, like it was very good. Well, anytime but, you I get mean, invited to the White House, Charlie, anytime you get invited to the White House, you usually did something pretty right. special. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. But no, I mean, that was our, our, our clubs in Philly were they they were they were really uh, together. You know, like they liked being around one another. We liked playing, and we we, we wanted to play right. And uh, and you know, like we uh, definitely we gave it all everything we had. And you, we can I can honestly tell you, every, every day we you know we we played the game right. And, and and I think that's why the fans the fans took a liking for us because of our our character and our talent on the field and things like that. We could we could beat you offensive about every way you could, you can win a game and things like that. We you know we had an exciting team and they and they loved to watch us play. That World Series too. That was the one you had. You guys had two days off for weather, didn't you? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, so that, that was an interesting, interesting series. The next year, right. and, and that's right in the middle of you won five divisions in, division titles right. in a row. Uh, 2000, uh, the next year, you get to manage the All-Star team. How was that for you? Right. Yeah, I liked it. I, I loved everything about it. We, we lost. Uh, we got beat by a sacrifice fly. But then the next year, we, we, you know, I got to fans again and we won. And I, and I made it a point, you know, like I really definitely went, I went all, all out to win that next one. You know, like because I wanted to win for the National League because of that home field advantage. That's right. And, and that's good. right. I, that's I love everything about that. I, actually, Brett, I love meeting the players too. You know, the, you know like the players that sometimes you don't get to talk to or and, and you like you playing against them and you get to talk, sit down and talk to them or – or eat lunch with them or something like that. And I, I, I enjoyed all that, really. Oh, there's nothing like it. I remember the first time I got uh, – I made an all-star team, and I was like a kid in a candy shop. Right. I mean, I went I went there and I <laughs> sat down, and, and it kind of hit you. You know, you have certain goals in your life. It's like I, I want to be – I want to play baseball. Uh, okay, now you're a pro. Now you get to the big leagues. Uh, then you make an all-star right. team, and it just – you know, it builds and it builds. But it, it's such a special place. I remember my first one was in Colorado and I, and I just sat around. I didn't talk much. I just looked at all these great players that I, that I play against all the time, but we're all in the same room and I'm just listening to their stories and trying to pick up, you know, I'm young at the, I'm really young at the time and I'm just trying to pick up little things. I'm listening to Barry Bonds talk hitting uh, with, I forget who it was, but I'm just, they're kind of mesmerized. It's a special, right. special place. You got right. to manage two exactly. of them. 2013, you, you, you win your thousandth game as a manager pretty pretty quick, and I think quickest, definitely the quickest in Philly history to do that. Right. Um, and then yeah. in Philly, I, you know, like I, Brad, I was, you know, like I was, the years I was, uh, I was there, you know, like I was there nine seasons or whatever, and uh, I liked everything about it. I wasn't ready to leave. I would definitely wasn't ready to quit managing. I mean, you know, like I, I mean, I would. You know, like I, 
I, I loved everything about it. But at the same time, too, I think baseball is kind of hard to explain sometimes. And, you know, like in a way, the way the way things can change so quick, you know, like baseball is a game where you can, you know, like you can be really up and on it for, for, for maybe one year, maybe five years, maybe seven or eight years. But sooner or later, you know, like when you, uh, there'll be some, uh, there'll be some tough times. And you like when you get into that tough time, sometimes it's hard for the manager to keep his position. And basically, you know, when I think about it, that's kind of what happened in Philadelphia. Really. You know, yeah, because, you know, I, the, was not, I wasn't ready to leave, but at the same time, too, you know, like, uh, I mean, I mean, it, you know, like it was kind of, I was getting older and things like that. And pe- the way people talk and things like that, you know, like people, a lot of times, uh, a lot of times, uh, Knowing baseball and you know, like and knowing knowing the in and outs of it and what goes on, sometimes I got I, I got an old saying: you get, if you keep moving, uh, moving targets hard to hit. So you know, like if you sit, <laughs> that's if you sit right. Feel too much, you might get hit. That's what happened. <laughs> I, I love it. I love. I'm going to use that. So yeah. 2013. No, uh, go ahead. Yeah. No, you know, like all the. Everything about it was good. Still good today. I go I, when I go there today. Uh, people treat me. Uh, I can't explain to to you how people uh, treat me and things like that. And uh, you know, like I I, I, used, I used to see your dad during the summer uh, somewhere, you know, all the time and things like that. I'd get to talk to him. I, I, I used to talk to your grandfather. I think I told you before. You know. Yeah. I, well, I was getting to that segment. I, that's that's my favorite yeah. part of the of the podcast today. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to that yeah. in a minute. All right. So you take from yeah. 2013. Uh, you're out of uniform for a lot of years, and all of a sudden in 2019, here comes right. here he comes again, Charlie Manuel. You can't right. you can't you can't get rid of him. You go back right. on the field. How was that after missing that many years uh, on the field? It was a little you know like you know what is a little different for me. I was a manager then, you know, like when I left, all, all of a sudden I'm back being a hitting coach. And actually it was, it was about six weeks to go in a season. And, you know, like, and, and, you know, like our, our hitters had their own same routine. I mean, they, you know, like they had their own routine and everything like that. And me coming in there, I was kind of new to them. And there was a lot of things I would have did if, if, you know, like, but at the same time, I did not want to cause problems on our team. Because some of the things that we did, I didn't like. But at the same time, too, I kind of, I just had to kind of step back and and, and watch because I thought that was the thing to do. You know, there's no sense of me causing anybody any problems or trouble or nothing like that. And, and that's kind of, I didn't, I, I, I enjoyed being on the field, but I didn't really get to enjoy what I was doing because there's other ways that I would have did it if, if, it, if I'd been in charge. Does that make sense? That makes sense, without a doubt. And especially you've been out of the game. Uh, you know, players are players are a little bit different now than they used to be. Even right. probably from 2013 to present. You know, I, I sit around. I see a lot of these younger players today in today's game, 2022. It's different, and it's not that it's yeah. not in a good or bad way, just in a different way. Right. That's exactly right. Right. Yeah. 2020. I, 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 get, I get upset now some days, but at the same time, too, you know, like, uh, I don't think I get to the point where, you know, that I don't understand. And I see, you know, like, the, the game, there's a difference in the game now, now than it was when I came off the field 13 years ago. 
really. You know, like, in, right. in, in, and that's, it's, at times it might be hard to grasp or, uh, or let settle in, but at the same time, you know, like if you think about it and, and things like that, baseball is, there's been, there's changes in baseball all the time. And, and you're like, and, and good or bad, you know, like you go through a process sometimes and, and things will work their way out. And, you know, like, and uh, that's kind of where we're at now, right now, I think. All right, now I get to my favorite park. Uh, favorite park. <laughs> Gramps, Ray Boone. Uh, you know, yeah. you you spent some time with Gramps. You've talked some stories. I, you know, the the farther and farther away I get from, you know, he passed away. Uh, right. You know, I miss I miss hearing those stories. That that when he was around yeah. and he would tell me for the tenth time, I was sick of hearing it. Well, nowadays, yeah. man, I love to hear a Grandpa Ray uh, story. I, right. I could listen forever. Just give me a little, uh, a little uh, inside to to your time around my grandpa. Yeah, you know, and uh, when I was managing the Coast League, you know, like, see, I managed Colorado Springs, I managed uh, also I managed Portland, those teams like that. When I'd go down to Tucson or Phoenix and things like that, your dad in the summertime, you know, he liked to pick that league up and kind of, you know, have a uh, have a have a grip on the talent in the, in those leagues and things like that. And he used to come and watch for he he's told me it before, you know, like he'd come and watch our team play and he'd come right in the dugout and sit there and talk to me before the game and things like that. And he used to and we'd talk about almost every player in the league. And also too, you know, he he used to always tell me that he liked how we played, how we run balls out, how we played the the, the discipline part of the game and, and just how we, we enjoyed playing and things like that. And it made me feel good. You know, like I took that as a big compliment. Because, you know, like when he when he played he was he was one of my he was one of my idols and I kept up with him and then he's like that yeah, and I always thought he was a great player and then and you know like I had a lot of respect for him and I've had a lot of conversations with him and I remember him telling me about you and uh, Aaron you know, like when you were small and things like when you were real small and things like that and he says uh, I I remember t- him telling me that that uh, you know like that uh, you guys are going to be players like your dad and everything like that. Seriously. <laughs> I, I can remember it just like it was yesterday. And I thought he, he was a tremendous guy. I had a lot of respect for him, man. I want to tell you something. He was really good. Uh, you know, and and, and uh, he, he thought a lot of his family. And I always admired him for that. I know, I know your dad from playing against him in minor leagues and also seeing him in the big leagues and being around him some. He's a very professional guy. He's a student of the game, and you know, like, you know, like, I think you, your granddad, he would, he might brag on you a little more than your father. I think your father was more kind of cool, and you know, like, and he just, he would just kind of sit there and enjoy, you know, something good at someone to say about you guys, and you know, like, he didn't, he didn't have to compliment on it or nothing because you could tell the smile on his face told the whole thing, and you know, like, he was one of those, he's one of those kind of guys. You know what I'm talking about. He's yeah, really, and you got really, you got uh, Gramps you got Gramps down perfect. He was yeah. he he he's one of the proudest men uh I've ever been around as far as right. his gen, his generation of baseball yeah. players and right. also his his family. But I'll tell you this, Charlie, right. 
he he's and my dad is a lot like him now you know dad's getting up there he's yeah. 74 years old and and my mom will call him ray all the time for for his right. his mannerisms and things he does now as he's getting <laughs> a little bit older he'll go oh, my mom will say okay ray and he'll go what are you talking about ray right. he is he's a lot like my grandpa <laughs> and gramps right. would he he was so braggadocious about his right. family when we weren't around yeah. But as soon as we'd walk right. into the room, there wasn't a compliment to be had ever. Right. But, but, you know, I knew that about him. I, I knew how yeah. he felt about right. about me, about my brother, about my, you know, about my dad. Right. Uh, so he, he didn't have to do it. I knew the game that he played. But, yeah, he was right. a, he was a, he was a special guy. And, uh, yeah, yeah I, I miss him. I miss him. That was my, that was my boy. That yeah. was my boy. Yeah. Tell me about this show. Yeah. You doing a show with Larry Boa? I, uh, we had a show last year. We haven't signed on for it this year. It's, uh, uh, it's still up in the air, uh, you know. Like, but uh, I enjoyed it. But there's some th- there's some things that too that uh, Bo and I, you know, we want to uh, we want to make our show more about you know like about people talking to us instead of us, you know, like doing you know like doing all the uh, entertaining and talking. You know, like we want guys. We we want to go places where. The fans can just sit there and ask those questions, and you know, let, let us answer them if we can get it that way, and organize it in a way that we want it. And if 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 we do that, I'm sure we go have one. But you know, like we'll, we'll see. I enjoyed it. Uh, I see where we it can be. It can be good, I think. But it, it, uh, we but we need to make it a little bit better than what it is. Yeah, Larry, there's red ass. <laughs> we had him yeah. on the program a couple months ago. I remember Larry as a kid, always, always popping off in the clubhouse, then he'd hide behind Bull. Right. <laughs> yeah, he was a good guy to hide behind, wasn't he? It was. All right, I want to hear about you. This is, this is funny to me, and it was brought to my attention, because I wouldn't think of you as this guy, but now – Give me, tell me about your Twitter beef in June of 2021. Uh, uh, I want to hear about it. Huh? Did you have a Twitter beef with somebody in 2021? Oh, yeah, I did. You know, like some, I forget what somebody, oh, somebody was talking about me like I was supposed to uh, let Atlanta win a game or something like that. First of all, you know, like, it, and, and then, of course, we won. We won the game, and then we drew St. Louis in the playoff, and they beat us in the first round. And I got really upset, you know, like, you know, like because uh, once we we played during the season, and we and they come in to play us, and we we had a four game series with them in Philly. We beat them the first night and clinched our division. And we come out, and we started resting some of our players and things like that, and we and we have about I don't know like six, seven, eight or eight games to play or something, we lost like six in a row and you're like, and we, and we needed to, and you know, like I wanted to win a game or two before we go into the uh, uh, playoffs and things like that, because I, you know, like I wanted, I wanted us to be prepared and ready, but at the same time, when we played in Atlanta, if you go back and look at the game, I, I took everybody out of the game from a third to fourth, fifth inning on, and we won a game on a luck in the 10th inning or 11th inning. When uh, uh, Hunter Pence, I left him in a game for some reason. He's the only guy uh, he had to play or something because he was. We didn't have nobody else to put in. He had a check swing ball. He hit the line down the right field line, and we won the game. And somebody was on me about, uh, you know, like somebody somebody was getting on me about 
you know, I, I should have let Atlanta win, win and things like that, whatever. And I, and I, I wrote back and told the guy that, that I, I was glad that he wasn't on our team, you know, if, if he thought that way. So <laughs> that, that, that's just funny to me. I, it was brought to my attention. I said, yeah, Charlie had a Twitter beat, Twitter war with someone. I'm like, no, yeah. not Charlie. And they yeah. said, yeah. Yeah. yeah 2014. I think that's one thing that uh, my manager, managerial career in the major leagues or, and also in the minor leagues, I think it, that people never, uh, some people never took me as serious as, as I was at times. Does that make sense? Because, yeah, you know, like, it does. You know, like I did, I've never ever, you know, like I wanted to do things right. And you know, like if I, and you know, like, and I want to, and I believe in right and wrong. And there's certain things that tick me off. And when somebody says that I should have let somebody beat us, that really makes me mad. Really. No, you know, I like, get I'm it. I'm not going to let somebody beat us. What's that? 2014, uh, you put in the Wall of Fame uh, for the Phillies. Now, there's certain organizations out there uh, in Major League Baseball that really do a a really nice job with their alumni, with the players from the past, bringing them back, making them a part of the organization. I think every franchise should do it. You know, I think – I think it's great for grandfather, father, and son to go to a game and – to look out on the field and, and see players from that the grandfather grew up watching and then the father and then the current players that the sons. I, I think that adds so much to the game and, and, and the certain organizations do a really good job that the Yankees come to mind. The St. Louis Cardinals do a nice job. Right. Uh, Cincinnati Reds for the most part, Philly does a tremendous job. And I know, you know, my mom and my dad uh, get to fly out once a year and they 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 always rant and rave about how nice of a job Philly does at really reaching out to their their past guys. Uh, it's a special place. It's a special city. I think it's really cool. Um, when you, when you got nominated and and you heard that you were going to the Wall of Fame, was that something that was special for you? It was it was special. To, I think I think a special part of it was the fact that uh, you know like that. Uh, that we did, you know, like we won, a, we did win a World Series there, and we was, we had some success, and our and and the, uh, for about I would say what five or six years there, you know, like we were at the top of our game, and you know, like and, were, and, and we had the city of Philadelphia, we were the, m- the main attraction in that city, and uh, I think I kind of grew into the, that part, you know, like for. When you honor, when you do something that honors me, it means a whole lot for me. Does that make sense? Sure. I think it. Sure. I, think it I think that. You know, like I think that, and 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 how it happened, and the fact that uh, that Philadelphia was ready for winners and things like that. I feel. I feel like the setting was absolutely amazing, and and also too, I think the the part where they uh, how they treat you, and uh, and they're so honest and they're real. And uh, I've got to tell you, you know, like I, all the places that I played and coached and managed, I'd say Philadelphia fans, they are the most vocal fans. And, and actually, they, they, they let you know exactly how you stand. And, and uh, they won't let you go to sleep on them. So, you know, like every, every, everything about, about them was enjoyable the time I was there. 
and they still treat me the same way today. Yeah, it was special. It's, it was very special. But also, too, it was. It, I, I look at that as uh, I'll always give uh, credit to the players. The players do the playing, and you know, like a manager, you know, like he can he, he can make decisions and things like that. But the execution is a part of the the, the players do that. So you know, like uh, I always like to say, you know, like our players play a huge part in that. Accolades are something that that I can't tell you. I accept all of my accolades because I want those people that had something to do with them and uh, help me achieve those. You know, like I know that they were part of it, Boney, and you, you know, like it just wasn't Charlie Manuel. That is awesome. Charlie Manuel, thank you very much for coming on the program. This was a lot yeah, of fun catching up. And getting to getting to talk to you and, and uh, talk about Gramps, that always that's a soft right. spot with me. But uh, I appreciate you coming on. And what we do each and every yeah. Boone podcast at the end is we bring in the voice of the podcast, Dan Levy, to ask a question from the fans. Dan, gentlemen, how are you? Good. All right, this one comes from Jeff, and he's in New Lenox, and he wants to know, Charlie, you've been around the game for so long. How do you want to be remembered? I'm going to remember all the fun I had. I can remember when when I first signed to play. I can remember things, all the good times I had in baseball. There's been there's been down times that that's like that. It's kind of like life, but I I can remember everything good about it. I always wanted to be around the game. I always wanted to be at the ballpark. And I'm getting older and things like that. And I can't can't do the physical work I used to do, but I can still uh, be entertained and really. Uh, you know, like sit and watch good baseball, and you know, like, and I still pull for players like I always have, and it's it's been part of my life, and probably always will be. All right, sir. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. That's going to do it for the Brett Boone Podcast. My name is Dan Levy, the technical director, producer, voice of the Boone Podcast. EP, executive producer, Rich Herrera, digital. All gets uploaded by Liz Landry. Do us a favor, share the Boone Podcast. Neighbors and friends and all those that love sports, make sure you subscribe. Never miss an episode. And while you're at it, give us a five-star rating and share your feelings about the podcast by leaving a review on whatever platform you listen to the show. For all of us here on the Boone Podcast, he is Brett Boone. You can find him on social media at the Boone 29 I'm Dan Levy, B-A-S-S on air. That is base on air, all of my social medias. Thanks for listening. We'll do it again soon. Have a great one.